literary slummers to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we read books outside of our comfort zones. I'm Em. And I'm Anna. This week on Shelf Aware, we are wrapping up our unit on YA horror. It's not really spooky season anymore. In my mind, we've entered holiday season. The spookiest Uh, season of all. The spookiest season of all, yes. My Christmas tree is up. My wreath is hanging on the front door. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. It is pre-Thanksgiving at the time we are recording this. It is pre-Thanksgiving. And it's it's still going to be pre-Thanksgiving, I think, by the time you guys hear. No, maybe not. Maybe not. Who knows? Who can say? Um, (laughs) It's impossible to tell, and there's no way we could find out. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not opening up my calendar. I just, one day I wake up and there's a feast on the table. I don't know where it comes from. One day you wake up and there's a a turkey carcass at your front door and you're like, oh, guess it's time. Yeah, I guess the, I guess the Thanksgiving Santa has visited. Mm. Um, Yeah. But we read uh, for this, for the end of this unit to wrap it up. (laughs) I chose the book I thought Em would like, uh, White Smoke by Tiffany D. Jackson. And Em, was I correct? Did you like this book? I did. I did I like this, this book. book. It was good. <laughs> it was really good. Uh, I liked the. I there I. It was interesting how like how many parallels there are between this book and the last one we read. Yes, that was totally unintentional, but I I did like that. It, it absolutely neither of them have anything to do with the first book we read for this series, even a little bit. Yeah, sorry, thirsty. We never did go back to vampires, but oh well. <laughs> but it, it very much followed the same sort of uh, why horror beats that were laid down though those many years ago, uh, mm-hmm. and it did it much better. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, there was a wider cast of characters, for mm-hmm. one. Uh, the writing was better. Much better. They mm-hmm. actually did, like... I, I've been thinking about how to do the atmospheric stuff in horror mm-hmm. um, when you're talking about writing versus a visual media. Yes. And the book that I read, um, in addition to this one this week, has something to do this ha- does this as well. But um, it's interesting, I think, how... Uh, there is like an aesthetic quality to this book in terms of the formatting, right? Like there's the little uh-huh. facts that kind of like add to the um, psychological horror element of it. And then like the um, stuff from the TV, the preacher on the TV that gets like yes. added and italicized. And it's like very like, it, it very much does create this like atmosphere and this aesthetic through the like style of the writing, which I thought was very cool. Mm-hmm. Um well, at the same time, I thought that it was a very, like, good plot, readable. I liked the characters. Oh, yeah. It went uh, by so quick. It was oh, such yeah, a yeah. fast, good read. Yeah. And um, there, there is a thing with YA, I think, a lot of times where uh, either the characters don't really grow and change that much or they do mm-hmm. it in a way that seems very ham-fisted. And I liked kind of how... How this this read very YA still, right, in terms of, yeah. like, what the character had to learn about and grow and change about herself and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't kind of rely on, like, thirsty sort of vague gesturing towards some sort of thesis. It was very right. character-driven still, um, yeah. which I really liked. I thought it worked really well and uh, kind of married those two genres in a way that... Um, I think worked for the first time in these books that we've read for this unit of YA I think horror. So too, yeah. I, I I really appreciate this author's use of like this is just very much a character driven 
um, story. And while, well, I mean, while there is plot and there is like something to figure out in the book, it's all done through the character just kind of like experiencing mm-hmm. all of these new like shakeups. And so much of it has to do with like the things that happened in her past. And, and her, I don't know, it was just like, it was so, it was so like subtle in its in its scariness i think that that made it even scarier to me um and there definitely were like scenes and uh uh, bits and pieces that i were like feeling i was feeling the creep right you know yeah which is oh my gosh the the scene where they're hiding in the closet yes oh my god scary scary yes um yeah i i really like this i really want to go back and read the rest of her books i know she just came out with a new horror book I think this year that was mm-hmm. I think kind of kind of a reworking of Carrie perhaps from the blurb I read that's like the vibes I got I don't know if that's 100% accurate I would like to to go and read that and then did she was she the did she write the Cinderella or no, no that's no. a Kaylin Barron I, I think. can't remember she the, wrote there was like a lot of books in this vein that were kind of released all last year or two years ago and they kind of all blend together in my mind uh she wrote grown was her other like her very well known one I think I haven't okay. read it um but that's more like why a contemporary I think this is mm-hmm. the first horror one that she's written okay okay yeah, I thought this was very good. I, I, I find her characters very, like, this is not, um, I think I think the main character of this book is not a, um, it's not a likable character, but it's still somebody you really want to root for. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, I think I was thinking the Cinderella is dead because the covers are very similar. I'm looking at the <laughs> cover now. I was like, ah, that is why that, that stuck out in my mind. Um, but, yeah, like, I just, I really... I felt sorry for her and like I wanted her I wanted everything to like work out for her and in in a way that I don't really feel normally about unlikable characters like purposefully unlikable I just kind of yeah I didn't even feel so much like I think this kind of goes to the YA of it all like I didn't feel that she was unlikable as much Mm -hmm. as she was just young right like yeah really mm self-centered I guess yeah yeah yeah, yeah. very teenager (laughs) I think that a lot of times uh YA authors are kind of afraid to make their characters somewhat not grating but someone that you can be like that's a bad decision because they're you know expecting the audience to relate to that I don't know I just Mm -hmm. I liked it it, maybe also coming off of the uh sad girls unit where we saw so much of the problems at a distance thing I like that that wasn't the situation here you know Absolutely. Yeah, this was like dealing with the fallout from a very serious situation that had that had occurred in her life. And uh, like that, plus the stress of like a newly blended family. Mm-hmm. Like I just yeah, it felt it. She just felt very real in a way. Yeah. that A lot of YA heroines these days are, you know, I'm pretty, but I don't know that. And, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And I so. think that it worked well because the themes of kind of her like her being traumatized by something and then inflicting that trauma on those around her, like very much mirrored the horror that was going on. Right. So I think Mm -hmm. like that worked very well. You can, you can tell, I mean this super like high praise. You can tell that Jackson is like a horror movie fan, right. That she's like aware of how to make these two things make sense. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think too, we had talked about how like, why a horror to us the distinction was there wasn't really that uh 
that strong of like a real world commentary sort mm-hmm. of situation. But this book also hit that really hard. I thought um, very much like uh, the idea of like gentrifying a neighborhood yeah. and um, I don't know. There was just, there was just so much going on in this book. It was a really fun read. Mm-hmm. Would definitely recommend it. Uh, kind of segueing. Definitely recommend this to, I mean, if you like a horror book, if you like a psychological thriller and uh, you want a diverse read, get this. Yeah. It's so good. I also think YA, if you maybe are looking to get into something like if I think moving either direction, if you like YA and you want to try horror or if mm-hmm. you like horror and you want to try YA, like I think yes. this, is, this a, is a good, a really good example of what like the actual genre of YA horror could be. Right. Mm-hmm. I also am noticing for the first time on the cover of this book, I, I got the physical copy from the library. Mm. Um, Arl Stein has blurbed this. Creepy, frightening. I wanted to scream. I don't know. I'm just imagining, like, a very old, like, not very ah. old, but older, like, white man's just, like, screaming at this book just makes me giggle. Um, but, yeah, it was it was very good. Um, but what else have you been reading? Um, I wanted to read some more YA horror. So I read uh, the book. Let me find it. Hold on. Uh, the Girl from the Well by okay. Rin Chapeco. Um, I have not read any Filipino of her stuff. Filipino author represent. Yeah, uh, I think that was my last... I don't know. Is something... <laughs> the Philippines are really coming out strong with the uh, okay, what horror. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of in the way that this book had the interesting formatting stuff. It also did, like, some fun stuff with formatting. Fun stuff with formatting. <laughs> like, it had, like, paragraph breaks and things like that that made it, like, uh-huh. creepy spooky. Um, but the plot is... It is the story of this ghost. So it's like a horror movie from the ghost perspective. Um, Oh, that's cool. But it's not like the bad ghost. It's like this ghost who um, is like 300 years old um, and is based on like an actual like Japanese ghost story, um, Mm -hmm. which is the same ghost story that the ring is based on, was framed for betraying her master because she refused his advances and was drowned in a well, right? So this is like Mm. the ring pulls from this too. Um, But it's this ghost and she has spent the last 300 years basically um, finding people who have murdered or hurt children and killing them. So she's become like this vengeful spirit who protects children. But then she gets like caught up in this, uh, like this boy who has um, his own ghost that is kind of like possessing him. And she's, Mm. some of it is very her watching what is going on. And then Mm -hmm. she kind of gets pulled into it as time goes on. Um, And it's just like, it's again, very like interesting character stuff on her end of being like, this spirit who can't necessarily like interfere with the living except in very specific ways, but then is like being pulled into this drama, right? Okay. Um and it was it was cool. It was a good that read. I good. if you want to read more why horror, I would check that one out. It was good. How about you? Um me, I went the totally opposite direction. Um mm-hmm. because well first of all, I'm still playing Pathfinder. <laughs> Me too, I'm still me really too. bad at it. I most recently had to go back a couple hours because I put myself in an impossible situation, and that was my most recent save. So things are going really well for me in, in Pathfinder Kingmaker. But I did read this short graphic novel um, called The Tea Dragon Society by uh, Kay O'Neill or Katie O'Neill. They're 
uh, credited as both names. But um, it is just like this really cute, cozy, um, beautifully illustrated graphic novel about a young girl who stumbles upon these two individuals that um, they basically raise these dragons and the dragons grow tea from their horns and stuff mm-hmm. and, and and when you drink the tea like you can kind of like go back and see memories and stuff and um I just thought it was really cute there's a there's another little not little they're like I don't know young teens there's another girl there who has like lost her memory and and is just kind of hanging out there until she remembers enough to go back home so it's like a little bit of found family stuff and there's not like a super huge amount of plot it's like that's just basically what this is and it's just like a cute little slice of life um very quick read it's like 72 pages yeah um but I think there are sequels to it as well um but yeah I just thought very nice little middle grade YA graphic novel Mm. I think like Eisner award nominated or winning I don't remember which but it's cute yeah sounds good Mm-hmm. Much cuter than my save files on Pathfinder Kingmaker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. So we're having a great time reading great things this week. Yeah, and replaying the same game <laughs> over what and over. What did you do that you had to go back two hours to fix? So I was trying to go. Okay, <laughs> you know that mission that's like come here alone because oh yeah, I'm I did that too. Dryad lady. Yeah. yeah. So I went there alone. Um. And obviously got my ass handed to me like a hundred times. But then I finally like figured out a combination of like invisibility spells and stuff. So I was able to get past everything, like looted the place and got the fuck out. I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to my town. I'm going to come back with my friends. We're going to fuck this bitch up. Right. Um, But then I got stuck in like this random encounter where I just, I just kept dying. I I reloaded it like 10 times and I was like, fuck, I have to go back because this is impossible. I, Mike, I can't, you know, I can't rest beforehand because Mm -hmm. this is just a random encounter that has occurred. And while it is an easier random encounter because I am solo right now, it's still unwinnable. So I just, I had to go back. (laughs) I had to go back. I was so pissed. Well, let's talk about this book. Yes, I have seven pages of notes today. Oh my god! I know there was a I'm lot going on in this book. I'm not going to say anything. It's going to be the abridged audiobook <laughs> for M's part of this track. You can subscribe to our very secret Patreon. <laughs> and I just feel like a director's commentary room. Like now, yeah. when Anna is saying this, I was sitting there thinking, <laughs> I'm going to interrupt, but I managed to not. <laughs> Yeah, this one, like, I was like, oh, it'll be easy. Like, not a ton happened. No, there's so much. But then I went back and I was like, oh, no, so much happened. (laughs) (laughs) So we start off, our main character, Marigold, she also goes by Mary, um, and her family are moving from California to a small town called Cedarville. And I want to say it's, like, in Missouri, maybe. Um, I I was getting Maine vibes, but I don't think that's right. That was that's a very long distance to have driven, but yeah. But <laughs> how else are you gonna get there with your car? I guess. I mean, Missouri is also fairly far from California, yeah. right? But that's at least halfway across the country. Yeah, right? you're right. <laughs> um, they she's moving with her younger brother named Sammy, her mom, their dog named Buddy, and then um, her new-ish stepfather and stepsister Alec and Piper. Um, 
the the family makeup is that Marigold and Sammy and her mom are black and Alec and Piper are white, which there's a little bit of tension at some points in the book because of this. Like at one point, Alec called a bunch of their black neighbors thugs. And I was like, oh, my, (laughs) you bro, you need to mm, no." But um, Piper is unhappy with the living situation. She's kind of had a little a little bit of a rough time. Um, with it, she, when she was younger, like when she was in first grade, she came home to discover her grandmother was dead. Um, and just kind of like, I mean, she, she was sick. She didn't know what to do. Just kind of hung out with her dead grandma until her dad got back. I think her mom also died. I don't know. She's, so she's like 10 years old and she is going through an angsty period where she's making life difficult for everybody else in the family. Um, and her dad really super dotes on her. So he doesn't seem to notice the drama. Mary's dad is an architect that normally lives in LA, but he is in Japan right now for work. Um, and Marigold's mom, Raquel, has accepted a fellowship with the Grow Where You're Planted program in Cedarville, um, which is, uh, I wanted to say hosted by, which is, which is sponsored, sponsored, yeah, sponsored (laughs) by the Sterling Foundation, uh, which is just a foundation owned by the Sterling family. They just have a lot of money. Um, And basically what they're doing is they're moving into a home owned by the Sterling Foundation and they're living there for free for three years. And the mom is supposed to produce some work of art at the end of those three years. She's a writer, so she's going to write a book. Um, And then they're the first family to go through this program. Um, And specifically the, the head of the foundation, Mr. Sterling himself, has said he's trying to bring wholesome families back to Cedarville. Mr. Sterling is a rich white man, so we can kind of deduce what that means. Um, And it's also hinted at that the family is leaving California because of something Mary did or that happened to Mary. Um, So spoiler, she she went through this really rough period of time where she developed this very severe anxiety about bed bugs because they had them and no one believed her. And this kind of developed into... um, you know, a, a sort of like she she is constantly aware of the of the problems that could arise, and and um, oh, what are the words I'm looking for? She's just stressed out about bed bugs all the time. She has like parasitic psychosis or something. Yeah, some I couldn't remember the exact term, but yeah, which like this book is littered with facts about bed bugs. Mm-hmm. So if that's a thing for you, <laughs> just beware. I was itchy after reading this. <laughs> I have never had like a fear or phobia of bed bugs, but I have a few friends who do. Uh-huh. Um, and I kind of get it more after reading this book. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I did not realize like, oh, they, they sound disgusting. But so she, uh, in order to deal with the anxieties that came up because of that, she started smoking weed. Um, and, and then after following like a, an injury, uh, sport related injury, she ran track, she got addicted to Percocet. And then, uh, essentially what happened is she OD'd and, uh, got in trouble with the authorities because of it. And her ex-boyfriend, who was the one that gave her the drugs, got off scot-free. So basically she's kind of got this mantra on her head of, you know, change is good. Change is necessary. We need to, you know, trying, trying to give this a good uh, fair shot. Um, also she, she had a stint in rehab too. I think that was part of the, the punishment. So she, she, you know, there's a lot of baggage here that she is bringing 
to the table because of all of this. Rightfully so. I mean, this is, there's a whole lot. It goes into, it goes into quite a bit of like, um, just how people view an addict and like the trust issues and, and, and her just like feeling the shame of uh, her, her little brother was the fun one that found her. So just like the shame associated with like ruining his life in her eyes, you know? So just a lot, a lot going on. So they get to Cedarville and they're living in an older neighborhood called Maplewood, which is mostly occupied by black families. It is a little bit run down. It's a little bit like this is this Mr. Sterling, of course, so it's on the other side of the train tracks, you know, that kind of stereotype. Um, but the house that they are moving into is newly renovated. It's an older home, uh, but they they whipped it into shape for this family to move into, but all the other homes around it are abandoned. They whipped it into shape that it had like four contractors. They had a lot. Yeah, the contractor situation is weird. The way that this book played into ghost story like tropes mm-hmm. is so funny in retrospect. Like the <laughs> like we had like four contractors in like two months and we kept they kept losing everything and it was so, so like weird. I, and I mean like I fully bought it I was like yeah it's a ghost it's a ghost yeah though. absolutely <laughs> spoiler alert again like trick-or-treat not a ghost also it's like not trick a or ghost treat. guys <laughs> also like trick-or-treat step-sibling relationships very important but not in a creepy incest way not romantic though <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the contractors are kind of weird. Like no, no one will go in the basement of this home at all. Everyone leaves at exactly 530 PM. They don't want to stick around. Um, and yeah, there's been a lot of like switching, switching in and out of contractors. Like some will quit the job abruptly or whatever. It's weird. And then there's other things that are slightly spooky around the house. Like Things are often misplaced. Doors are opening and closing on their own. There's a terrible rotten smell that comes and goes. Um, at the, towards the beginning of the book, we get this creepy shower scene where uh, Mary is is in the shower and and the the little button pluggy thing that yeah, you push, yeah, yeah. you know, push and pull, thing. you know, to For go showers. from bath to shower. Yeah, it keeps getting pushed. Button. Yeah, it keeps going down and becoming bath while she's trying to shower. Uh, and it terrifying. happens several times. Absolutely terrifying. But it happens like a couple times. And then finally she sees there's like a gross hand like reaching towards the thing. And she gets freaked out. I thought like I, as a, especially when I was younger and staying home alone and stuff for the first times, like absolutely terrified of dying in the shower. Like I, I was, was definitely t- the yes. I had. Okay, this was. So when I was a kid, one of those, like, I think it was like one of the scary stories tell in the dark sort of books, mm-hmm. but I read one of those and there's a story in that. I feel like I might've told this on the podcast before. I'm sorry if so, but there was <laughs> this like it. scary story anthology that I read. And one of the scary stories was about this like monster that lived in the drains, right? Like it was mm-hmm. like some creature that like reached up out of the drains <laughs> no, right but here's 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 where so it described like the like you could see it its eyeballs like the flash of its eyeballs sometimes in the drains Ooh. and whoever wrote this fucking story must have had the same type of drain fixture that my oh, parents no. did because if it, what <laughs> happens is if you have like one that's like the circle like the sieve sort of uh yeah. drain 
with like a lot of holes in it. When uh-huh. water drips down there, it looks like an eyeball. So Ooh. I was so scared of their shower as a kid. Because oh my gosh! I was sure, that's that it terrible. Was, like, and I like obviously I studied it and had to like logic my way through this. I was like, oh, it's water. It's not an eyeball. I knew all of this, but I was still so <laughs> freaked out every time I went in there. <laughs> I don't blame you. I would have been too. <laughs> I was definitely a like throw the shower curtain open in the middle of the shower to make sure like I would see the murderer about to stab me. I guess I don't know what I was going to do naked in the shower and slippery with soap, but (laughs) I was going to know I was going to die. Piper also starts mentioning a new friend of hers, Ms. Sugar, who is a woman who claims she doesn't like people living in the house and wants them gone. And the adults kind of just like write this off as like, okay, Piper has an imaginary friend, makes sense. She's gone through a lot of traumatizing stuff. And now we've kind of like brought this family together and moved across the country. Okay, so she's 10. She has an imaginary friend, whatever. She has an imag- imaginary grandma. An imaginary grandma because hers died. And, um, I mean, Mary and Piper, or Mary and Sammy both think this is really weird. Um, but Ms. Sugar seems to specifically want Mary gone um, and says through Piper, like Piper is reporting this, that uh, Ms. Sugar thinks that Mary is a junkie and she doesn't want that in her house. And so Mary has got to go. Um, we also meet a boy named Yusuf who works landscape with his, with his uncle, which is why he they, he shows up at their house initially. Um, he accidentally punches her in the face when they first meet, LOL. <laughs> um, I don't know how this, like, she goes to open the door at the same exact time he's going to knock on the door and then just ends up punching her right in the eye. So it would have to be an in door. Yes. And yeah, I guess you would knock, you kind of knock it where your head is going to be. Yeah, so. and, and she's maybe, tall. And maybe if he was like looking to the side or something, you know, yeah. like, not really, I guess. She's like, how much force are you using to knock on the door? Uh, just That's a, a lot. A lot. He wanted to, he really wanted to be heard. I feel like it would have made more sense. It, this Maybe I can like headcanon this, that he just was startled and thought she was a ghost. And <laughs> was, so he was going to punch her. Yeah, because it's a little bit of a spoiler. Like everybody in town knows the history of this house and how it is haunted. And so like everyone kind of keeps their distance. So maybe he did think this was the house ghost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but he's, he's, he's the kind of boy, he's cute and he knows it. Uh, and he seems to be instantly drawn to Mary, but there is no romance in this book, which I thought was very refreshing. He's just, he's like, you're the first girl I've talked to in a while that doesn't want me for romantic purposes. Like you just want to be friends and that's cool. Um, and though Mary kind of does have a couple moments where she's like, I could see myself dating him, you know, doesn't really do anything to pursue that. Just kind of, is like, oh, okay, I guess I've been friend zoned and like, they move on from that. See, I I didn't read it that way. I read it that he oh. was interested in her, but was like interested in her because she wasn't like sexualizing mm. him immediately. Um, but also, like mm. you said, yeah, I think that the book leaves it as you know they're friends right now. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe maybe not. Who cares? Not the final yeah. book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's there for uh plot purposes yes. <laughs> exposition and just to be like a nice, a nice boy, and a friend nice yeah. boy like. yeah i really liked yeah yusuf i thought he was a very nice guy yeah but not in that nasty nice guy mm-hmm. way <laughs> um so mary starts at her new school she meets a girl named erica who she befriends because she thinks erica can hook her up with some weed she um, smells of weed she smells of weed strongly so that's a pretty good pretty good sign um Mary 
she's obviously self-medicating and she has run out and so she's getting a little bit desperate but from the bad experience of taking bad drugs from someone she thought she trusted or you know um does not want to go into this like immediately she's like i gotta get to know this erica girl right Um, Mary also decides to give Yusuf the cold shoulder in school because she sees how popular he is with the other girls and she doesn't want to get involved in the drama at all. Uh, so Mary's BFF from California, Tamara, Tamara, Tamara. Mm. I've never, yeah, Tamara. That's the one we're going to go with. She gives Mary the idea of growing her own weed. She's like, just supply your own stash. You're, she, Mary is an excellent gardener, um, kept a lot of plants and stuff in the home before, it was all burned. Now she she references like a burning of her of her uh, belongings, but they, it does not seem to correlate with the whole bed bug thing. But maybe I misread that. Maybe that is the same incident. I thought it was more like the after rehab. She burned everything and wanted to start over, but it was a little bit unclear to me. Don't know. I was just no. ruminating on the layers of growing things in this mm. novel and the grow where you're planted mm-hmm. initiative planted, and how yeah. all of these growing things are like uh, actually deep. bad <laughs> yeah don't grow don't grow where you're planted don't grow where you're planted <laughs> uh so mary's like i'm gonna yeah sure i'm gonna i will planted. i will it's have like a marijuana plant, garden like there's a dual meaning there of like a plant and a plant, right? Yeah. It was all oh, there. yeah, that's a good one. That's a good there. one. Yeah. Dang, Tiffany. Oh, I didn't even think of that. That's good. Dang. Dang. You got me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mary needs tools to do gardening. Uh, so she goes to this gardening club that Yusuf had previously told her about. And of course he is there at the gardening club and Mary's like, well, Hey, this guy knows about like, he has gardening stuff and he could probably get me plant fertilizer. So I'm going to befriend him so I can grow weed outside of school though. In school, not his friend outside of school. Yes. They do some gardening together. He invites her back to his place so he can give her the plant fertilizer. And while there, she meets his pop pop who is watching a preacher on TV. So this guy, Scott Clark, broadcasts a sermon every day around noon, and everybody in the town seems to watch this. It's basically like a scam mega church thing. Like, he is selling seeds again. that you, again. Tiffany. Tiffany. Tiffany so good. With the themes, Tiffany. So fucking Come, good. Coming in with a symbolism. <laughs> He's selling some seeds, um, and basically what you are meant to do is purchase the seeds from him, plant them, and then once they grow, you're supposed to receive whatever you've been praying for. Um, however, Yusuf the gardener is like, I can't make these seeds grow. I don't I don't know what this bullshit is, but obviously like he's telling people if your seeds aren't growing, then maybe you just haven't like given Classic him enough money. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So keep sending your donations for more seeds, right? so that guy scott clark bad news he's not like he i i I enjoyed the preacher stuff is not like super important to the plot of the story but just like something really creepy in the background like the tvs will randomly turn on and be playing his sermons loudly and it's just like all these houses that she goes into people are just like mindlessly watching this so it just adds like this unsettling thing like em was saying earlier um so next step to growing weed Mary needs her BFF Tamara to send her some seeds from California. B- 
because she doesn't have a secure source in Cedarville and she doesn't want her parents to start getting suspicious of her drug use again. Uh, and Mary kind of bullies her friend into this. We see several instances where Mary's like desperate to get her way. And so she does kind of these unethical things. Um, but yeah, Mary's like, do you want me to backslide and start doing more serious drugs or like untrustworthy drugs again? Oh, because that was the thing is like the weed that she got from the source that she didn't know very well was laced with fentanyl. That was a thing. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. And she so she like <laughs> basically guilts her friend into breaking federal laws and sending <laughs> sending seeds of marijuana. But once the seeds show <laughs> up, marijuana. <laughs> once the seeds show up mary goes to one of the abandoned houses nearby and she just starts her little illicit garden in the back of one of them like do to do no one mind nothing me to see here. don't worry nothing, about it nothing to see here uh, her neighborhood has like already proven to be really nosy so i guess she just <laughs> was she was bold about it um weird stuff keeps happening around the house again things left out or misplaced mary thinks she sees someone in the house a few times um just like shadows of people standing in doorways or in the corner of her eye and everything seems to revolve around this basement door which is locked from the inside so creepy so creepy later reveal that they do have a key for this basement door but like the door kind of opens and closes by itself whenever it feels like it so mm. um the bad smell is back so mary decides to burn some sage to get rid of it which Let's, um, there's, you know, white sage. Don't do it. Look it up. Whatever. I'm not going to preach about it. Um, around this time, Mary also notices that there's been a truck that is sitting outside and watching her house at night, which is also weird. So it's just like all this like unsettling stuff. Um, Tamara also complains about Mary playing this prank on her via FaceTime, where she's like, you just called me like a hundred times in a row. And every time I answered, there would be no one there except this one time I saw this creepy looking woman on the other screen. And she like took a screenshot and sent it to Mary. And it's just like this haggard looking old woman silhouette. Creepy. And then also Piper's behavior is getting stranger, especially after the sage uh, she says the smoke bothers Miss Sugar and that Mary will pay for lighting it. Um, other weird behavior is like a parent of a student at Piper's school comes over and complains that Piper is like trying to trick her daughter into going to play in the abandoned houses, which we find out later in the book. The na- whole neighborhood has a lot of baggage about. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some shit going on with these houses and everyone's kind of scared of them. So honestly, like, the, I mean, in retrospect with Piper, like, this is, this is she just wanted to have a she wouldn't be over. alone in these houses. Yeah, she mm-hmm. just wouldn't have a friend come play. Like mm-hmm. that's all that was, you know. Poor Piper, I feel bad. Yeah, for Piper. Piper got a raw deal in this book. Um, I felt bad for. Her. I definitely appreciated the moments where people would be like, "She's a kid. Like you need to be nicer you to her. To She's chill. a fucking kid." But again, <laughs> it was playing into like the ghost tropes of little kids are creepy, creepy right? Little kid, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. There's also, like, a fire at the house across the street. Not the one where Mary is growing weed, thank goodness. Ugh, um, can you weed. imagine? <laughs> um, and Mary starts to wonder if Piper is responsible for all these incidents because the fire occurred after Mary and Piper had an argument about stuff. Piper was, like, oddly wearing shoes with her pajamas after the fire started. There was, like, mud on her shoes. So she's basically, the book is leading us to believe Piper is being possessed by the ghost of Miss Sugar. And doing all these terrible things. 
that's not exactly the case, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Don't worry. Um, let's see. Mr. Sterling, the head of the foundation, comes to dinner at Mary's house just to check in, see how the family's settling in. Mary starts to ask some very pointed questions to Mr. Sterling about the, like, what is, what is the point of the Grow Where You're Planted program? Like, why would you move new people and, and renovate only homes for them instead of helping out the people that live here? Um, and as I said before, it's important to note Mr. Sterling is rich and white and the people that Mary referring, Mary is referring to are poor and black. So again, racial stuff. Mr. Sterling doesn't seem to care for her line of questioning and he's like, I'm done with dinner peace but a little later on <laughs> the family attends a fundraising gala gala hmm, one another weird one. i can't what if it's wrong what if it's the wrong one this is a word not a name <laughs> um gala hmm gala she attends yep, a fundraising is- gala <laughs> <laughs> um or something something along those lines for the Sterling Foundation. And Mary and her brother, Sammy, come across some blueprints for a quote-unquote new Cedarville where the city will basically bulldoze all of Maple, the Maplewood neighborhood to bring in new businesses and stuff. So not a great look. Um, and Mary, she goes to ask her dad about this because, again, he's an architect. And she's like, how can I find out, like, how and why they're doing this? And he's like, follow the money. And she like kind of she she does that later, but okay. Sorry, there's so much. There's just so much exposition in this book. There's yeah. a lot. It's a dense book. Mary then learns about how her house is supposedly haunted by something called the Hag, which is a demon woman who steals your skin and pretends to be you until <laughs> the skin is too ill-fitting, and then they have to go and find another victim. Mary's like, oh, that's why the kids at school hate me because they think I've been possessed by the hag. And Yusuf's like, yeah, I think so. Also, though, it's Um, probably also because you're kind of a bitch to them. (laughs) Yeah. Also, you've made no attempts to talk to anyone except for the girl you think smokes weed. Um, And then one night, the family comes home from an event to find that almost everything in their house has been destroyed. Like nothing is stolen, which is odd. Is everything's torn up, like clothes ripped off, hangers, electronics completely destroyed. Um, but it's um, only Sammy, Mary, and the mom who's stuff. Yeah, Alec and Piper's stuff, not touched. Again. And Alec is like, oh, I don't know. I guess they just heard the police coming or something. <laughs> Alec. I truly thought this was like going to be a get out situation with Alec. Mm. Like he was going to be the mastermind behind all this. Yeah, yeah. I but... think that would have made sense. But I also think that, again, it's very much like demonstrating the ways in which society and white man even well-intentioned is missing the is yeah the racial biases yeah imagine <laughs> um sorry guys like i said exposition heavy we get some more information via mary and eric hanging out um about bigville which is the for-profit prison in town because M- mary has noticed these humongous like stone cube buildings like very like non not decorated or anything and she's you know, like are those warehouses shape. yeah the prison shaped cubes she's like is this a, is that a warehouse situation and erica's like let me tell you about the sterling laws so there was this other sterling uh one we don't really interact with in the book who became governor of Missouri or Maine in the <laughs> early 2000s and passed a lot of anti-drug laws like 20 years minimum in their for-profit prison if you were caught with just an ounce of weed 
unsurprisingly, this seemed to particularly target black families in the Maplewood neighborhood, specifically black men. Um, and they even suspect that drugs were being planted on people in many instances. Um, a lot of the families that live in Maplewood have multiple family members um, in the prison, in prison, including Erica and Yusuf, both have dads that are in prison. Um, and Erica so that's has a bummer. Like basically, her entire family, except for herself. Yeah, her except for her and her grandma. Mm-hmm. Um, Erica then invites Mary out to a party. Yusuf is there. Erica is like, hey, Mary, you want some weed? And Mary's like, fuck, finally, yes. <laughs> um, and she she happily accepts. And Yusuf is like, this is, I am so fucking disappointed in you. Like, I can't believe you would do this. He takes this very poorly because obviously the whole issue with drug use is he's very sensitive towards because look at what it has done to their entire community. Also, I believe she specifically lied earlier in the book when she was like, do you smoke weed? By omission, yeah. I mean, I think that she was leading him to believe that she behaves in one way that is not Mm. how she behaves, you know? Yeah, she asked him if he smoked and he said, no, I would never do that. And then... In that moment, she also, she didn't say, oh, I'm fine with it. She just, like, was like, yeah. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Good to know. So that night at home, Mary is, like, stoned out of her mind. It's the first time she smoked in ages. She she wakes up in the middle of the night. She's like, I'm going to sleep so good tonight because I'm so stoned. But she wakes up in the middle of the night. Because a man has pulled her blankets off her while she was sleeping and is just standing there in her room. This scene did not give enough, get enough tension, I don't think. Like, <laughs> we quickly transitioned to she, like, she runs and hides in the bathroom and locks the bathroom door. Or maybe doesn't even do that. I don't know. And she calls the only person she thinks will believe her, which is Yusuf, who he's still mad at her. But he stays on the phone with her while she calms down and falls asleep in the bathroom. But more emphasis is, like, put on the phone call as opposed to the fact that there was a man in her room who ripped the blankets off of her. Yeah, because it's like, I, I think that they're trying to play, like, she she thinks it's drug-related, right? Mm-hmm. That she's hallucinating. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know. I've never hallucinated due to drugs, but I feel like... Nerd. No, I'm just kidding. I'm like <laughs> not either. You would uh, know, at least the blanket thing, that's like something had to happen there, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, and she continues to sleep in that bedroom, which is something I would not do, I don't think. But <laughs> anyway, then we get some more exposition via Erica and Yusuf while the three of them um, with Mary are hanging out about why the town doesn't get into Halloween. Because they, they're, like, joking about Halloween costumes. And Mary's like, okay, but really, what are you guys going to go as? And they were like, oh, we don't. Uh, that was all joking. We don't do Halloween here. They tell this story about how there was a young white boy named Seth Reed who got lost in Maplewood one night. And his dead body turned up the next day. And the city had a really bad reaction to his death. And on the night before Halloween, set fire to a bunch of the abandoned houses in the area to try and smoke out any squatters. So basically using this as an excuse to keep everyone else safe. We got to get rid of, you know, whoever's taking advantage of these open houses. Obviously, this is this is a very abbreviated version of what we do find out happens later, but this is the version that these children know or are telling. 
Erica says that some people did die in the fires because they were too high to notice the smoke. Um, and that's why people stay in on Halloween because this is something that does can still happen um, at this time of year. And they want to stay home to protect their homes because while it's typically only the abandoned homes that are targeted, the fires easily spread to the homes that people still actually live in. And there's also rumors that the fire department and police are in on it because, of course. So we get this big info dump. Mary, after hearing all this on the advice of her dad, is like, okay, I'm going to start to do some research into this town to figure out what what is the end game for this revitalization of Cedarville. And she starts to discover that there are a few rich white families that seem to have the town under their thumbs, like the Sterlings. Uh, the Russos are a family we hear about a lot. Um, and there's like a couple others too, that they are all just like very rich, very influential people, um, in, in this town. And then she tries to look up informations about the fires, <laughs> informations Information. about the fires. Yeah, yeah. You know what I meant? Uh, but there doesn't seem to be anything online about it. Oddly enough, like she yeah. finds one short mention of the boy that died, but that's it. That's weird. You'd think like this big horrific thing that happens on a regular basis would be mentioned somewhere at least um mary is still tending to her marijuana plants but now she suspects that someone else knows about it because piper keeps making weird hints about it (laughs) piper keeps making weird hints about it and then the furniture in the abandoned house is moving around she's like oh fuck someone must be coming here and moving the furniture so they probably know about my my weed oh well i'll ignore all of this for the time being (laughs) Not going to worry about it. Girl, please, please worry about it. (laughs) The whole time, I will say the one thing about Mary is she's very blasé about all of this. She's like, home's probably haunted. Don't know what to do about that. Like she Googles like, how can I tell if my house is haunted? And then she's like, oh, guess I live in a haunted house. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I think that this actually doesn't bother me as much in this book as some other horror that I've read because it's YA. And I'm like, yeah, you that is. Like, you have to accept a certain amount of helplessness in YA of, like, you do not have control over where you live, right? That's true. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. Because it won't, eventually she does, you know, um, uh, you know, we're getting to it, but, like, she basically is, like, uh, wants to go live with her dad. And there's a, like, her mom and her have an agreement about that. So she decides she's going to go live with her dad, but her dad in Japan and isn't going to be back for a couple of weeks. So she has to, like ride out the remainder of the two weeks so i mean she does pull that at some point but like there is a a level of like well what can she do right like yeah mm -hmm. she can't i live here she she lives here she can't you know and she tries to bring it up a couple times but because of the way that she brings it up where she is uh you know getting like she lets it get to the point where she's agitated about it which plays into like all of the preconceptions her mom has about her because of her Mm -hmm. struggles with addiction that then it becomes like oh this is just her being a troubled teen instead of like no this house is fucking creepy like and again just like with the bed bugs they didn't believe her about the bed bugs either Mm -hmm. Um, speaking of your kid when they say there's a ghost that's always every time every time they're they're always there's there's definitely a ghost there's definitely a midnight grandpa (laughs) (laughs) Um, speaking of bed bugs, there is a false bed bug incident that occurs here. Um, Mary thinks that she sees bed bugs in the couch 
and she has like a full on huge anxiety attack where like, you know, she gets a little bit of, um, she can't, she can't think of anything else other than I have to protect myself and our family from getting from the bed bugs spreading. Um, doesn't listen to reason, even though Sammy's trying to tell her, no, that's not, it's not bed bugs. They're just coffee grounds. Um, I really, I mean, I don't, I, I only mentioned the scene cause I thought it was like, uh, a very good portrayal, but portrayal of, of someone fully like, you know, going through this panic and this anxiety of a problem that they, yeah. that they struggle with on a regular basis, you know, of like this, this fear of their, especially bed bugs. Like Mary has an, has issues even like sitting on couches that belong to other people. Cause she's like, hasn't inspected them. Right. Um, so I just appreciated this. And then we also, we also get like a little bit of fallout too, of like once when, when she does like come to awareness, she's like, holy shit, like, you know, I've probably further traumatized my brother. I, I, you know, in my panic, I shoved my mom and she doesn't deserve more shit from me. Um, so I thought this was very interesting scene. Um, but then also it's kind of ghostly because like, why were there coffee grounds on the couch cushions? Cause they were like stuffed in there to yeah. purposely make it look like they were bed bugs. So ghosts, ghosts, ghosts with coffee, ghosts, ghosts need to stay awake too. They struggle (laughs) just like we do. They're just like us. Ghosts are just like us. (laughs) Uh, Then the next day at school, Erica gets arrested for supposedly trying to sell drugs at school. This fucking sucked. I hated this for Erica and I hated that we didn't get a resolution for this in the book because that only makes me think there wasn't a good one for her. Right. Um, and I mean like this whole, the book as an enti- as a whole doesn't really get like a, and then they stopped. Yeah, no, I think racism. It's, it's no, very, they, like you are left to imagine what is going to happen mm-hmm. to this community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so Erica's like, I would, you know, I know these Sterling laws back to front because they have so affected my family and community. Like, I'm not going to do something stupid, like bring a bunch of drugs to school to sell. She insists that these drugs were planted on her. Um, Mary believes her, especially because when she comes home from school that day, Mr. Sterling is there just gossiping with Mary's mom about how Mary's friend Erica got arrested today for trying to sell drugs at school. And hey, this type of stuff doesn't normally happen here. But you know, I wouldn't make a habit of snooping around and trying to find out things that you don't need to know anything about Mary. Um, Mary realizes that this arrest is in re- in retaliation to her looking up the history of the town on the internet, trying to put these pieces together. And Mr. Sterling is on to her, which fucking sucks. Yeah, like because Mr. Sterling owns the house and has access uh-huh. to their Wi-Fi. <laughs> yes, yeah, and I mean, presumably all telecommunications. You know, like this is a a Cedarville internet provider. You know, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, Mr. Sterling's been snooping, um. And then Mary's mom is like, hey, I know you were only friends with her because she had drugs. So take a drug test now. Mary gets pissed off about this. And obviously she's clean because she hasn't asked Erica for any more weed. But and she hasn't finished growing her own yet. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, we do see kind of like this, this, the lack of trust between Mary and Mary's mom because of all of the history. Um, But, yeah, I just like poor Erica. Dude, I liked her and she got shit shit on i hate this the next information we learn is that yusuf tells mary about miss sugar so they are the two of them no there's three of them mary and her brother go with yusuf to like this uh pumpkin patch i think is where they go Mm -hmm. 
And she's kind of talking about like, oh, and Piper has this weird imaginary friend named Miss Sugar. And Yusuf is like, um, excuse me, how do you know about that? And Mary is like, how do you know about that? That's my stepsister's imaginary friend. So Yusuf tells her the story. The people's family owned the houses on Mary's block um, maybe like 30 years ago, I think this is when it was supposed to be. Yeah, that was kind of the, yeah. mm-hmm. the vibe I got. Basically, like, yeah, like early 2000s. Um, the people's family um, lived on this block, owned the houses on her block, including the one she lives in. They were a prosperous black family. They had five kids. So there was like a house for each of the, the kids' families. Um, and then they also owned a bakery um, on the street that they called the Sugar Shop. And people called Mrs. Peoples Miss Sugar. And then Mr. Peoples died in a weird accident and a bunch of developers moved in and they were like, sell us these homes. And Mrs. Peoples like, no, these are my family's homes. We still live in them. I'm not selling them. The children then all start dying in weird accidents and terrible rumors start going on about the family, including the fact that the youngest son named John John was a pedophile. So people obviously stop going to the bakery. They give the family the cold shoulder. And then that's when Seth Reed showed up dead. And people assumed it was John John who had something to do with it. And so they set John John's house on fire. And Miss Sugar runs in to save him. But neither of them ever come back out of the house. So it's assumed that they burned alive. Um, And this all happened in the house right next to Mary's house. Um, So after the incident, it came out that the rumors were lies and the Russo family, which is one of the rich white families in charge of Cedarville, paid people to spread these lies about the people's family. And it is said that ever since then, Miss Sugar is supposed to haunt all of the houses on Maple Street and like wants people to stay away. And she's like out for blood is what Yusuf says. So then one night, oh, this is the scary thing. So then one night, Mary is babysitting the two younger kids and she hears Sammy calling her from the other room. And she goes down to the living room, but Sammy is nowhere to be seen. So Mary starts looking for him like everywhere. And she eventually goes and opens the closet, just kind of on a whim. And he pulls her into the closet and shuts the door behind them. And he says, that voice that's calling you is not me. And then you hear like the voice is calling her again. Terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. They hear footsteps now, like someone has come up out of the basement and is walking around their house. They stop outside the closet because they hear, like, the, the dog is also in this closet. This closet must be huge. It's got, <laughs> it's got like, a 17-year-old girl, a 13-year-old boy, and a big-ass dog. I don't know. I'm looking at my closet right now. I think yeah. it could fit that. It's like a coat closet, though. It's, like, off the living room. But maybe. Yeah. Maybe it's an older home, so maybe. Um, but, yeah, so they, they hear someone stop outside of the closet because the dog growls. Um, but they then they like fade away and um as the footsteps like sound like they're going upstairs they make a break for it and run outside then mary's like oh fuck i have i have to go back for piper and sammy's like no fuck her and she's like no i i got him man you run i'll catch up with you sammy doesn't run he stays again i feel like this scene is like so uh, again, if we're just if we're just comparing this to society at large, right? It's like you've got the the black family trying to leave, and then the mm-hmm. one black woman having to go back for the white woman and try to save her ass. I know you just work, and the white woman just being like, "Huh? What? I don't know. I'm what? not leaving." 
it's, so, it's very very metaphoric. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then her white woman tears. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Oh. So back inside on the stairs, she calls out to Piper and she sees Piper like looks at her and gives her a nasty look and then just walks away. And then the next thing Mary knows is she hears this voice that says, get out of my house. This house belongs to me. She gets whacked with a broom real hard on the head and she falls down the stairs. And from Sammy Sammy's like, perspective, it looks like Piper pushed her. Piper down the pushed stairs. her. Mm-hmm. So Sammy's like, come on, Mary, we got to go. The two of them get up and they run out of the house. Um, but Mary's like, I'm going to pass out. Like I, I took a real good whack on the head. I fell down the stairs, hit my head again. I'm just going to lay down here. Yeah. Those brain seats like, are just scrambled. <laughs> so she's like, I'm just going to lay down here on the ground, Sammy. You run to, <laughs> you run to Yusuf's house. He, his is the one that has roses. And you tell him to come back and get me. <laughs> and, then, and he does. When she wakes up, she's back at Yusuf's house. With, blah, blah. She's back at Yusuf's house with Sammy. And they stay there until their parents get back. They get back to the house. Piper is sobbing, telling her dad this story about how, how Sammy and Mary left her in the house on purpose. And she was so, so scared um, and just like sobbing. Mary tries to defend herself, calling her. She's like, I called to you and you walked away from me. Like we had to get out of the house because someone was in the house with us. And Piper's like, uh-uh, that's not how it happened. But then Mary sees like a smirk on her face. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Fuck this bitch. You remember how Fuck. I said I felt bad for Piper? <laughs> Fuck Piper. But Piper also does some nasty shit. Piper is a problem. Ten years old weaponizing those tears yes. already. Just Absolutely ugh. terrifying. Sammy then pipes up and he's like, no, Piper pushed Mary down the stairs, which is what he thought he saw. And again, Piper denies. And this time he's telling the truth because it wasn't her. But... um. The two of them are like arguing. Alec is furious. He says that Mary has put Sammy and Piper's lives at risk again. And he can't like he just doesn't know what to do with Mary. And so Mary's mom goes to get another drug test. And she's kind of hesitant about it. But she goes, she does it to appease her husband. And Sammy is like, but I also witnessed these events. Does that mean I'm also high on drugs? And Mary is angry that they don't believe her. And she's like, I'm not taking the drug test because I'm leaving. And they're like, oh, yeah, where are you going? She's like, to go live with my dad. (laughs) You forgot about him, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah, you forgot about my trump card. Uh, (laughs) So, um, yeah, I think we mentioned before, but basically her – her mom and her have an agreement with the dad that if things didn't work out with Alec um, as a stepdad, she would have the option of moving back in with her dad. And that was like his stipulation for them moving out of state, right? Was that at any moment in time, if Mary and Sammy say so, they are allowed to move back and Mary's mom can't block them on this. Now, Alec gets upset about this, we find out, because he feels like, oh, you shouldn't have like basically a a get out of family free card and whatever and i i understand like i think he has a right to be angry that he didn't know about it but also like it's not not it's not his kid but it is not your kid you haven't been in her life that long and she Mm -hmm. has a living parent (laughs) yeah yeah like honestly this is not this is none of this is none of his business no um and the fact that he got mad about this again i was just like 
again white people are gonna you know like this is not <laughs> this is nothing to do with you I mean it does because this is your fault but like the the moving out you have no right to be offended by the fact that they had a backup plan right. with the biological parents like um and also like Alec I I'm in he's been a little bit not a little bit he's been a lot of bit biased towards his own daughter when she when it is revealed that she has done things that are bad towards the other two kids he just kind of like laughs it off and like he never makes her apologize for anything that she does bad and so like there's this this has been building for a and while I think the like it does it in this interesting way of like it's kind of reasonable the way he acts in terms of like like when she doesn't apologize he's like well i don't think that making her apologize is gonna do anything right mm-hmm, but at the mm-hmm. same time it's like yeah you're right in terms of like parenting her but you're also parenting two other kids now who are yeah. hurt and you're not doing anything to fix their hurt right so it's like very well done i think in drawing like attention to the ways that alec is not behaving unreasonably necessarily but mm-hmm. like not behaving in a which i think is yeah very white supremacy right of like yeah oh, it's, I'm, I'm just helping my kid, right? It's like, but yes. in the ways that you help your kid, you're hurting the other two, mm-hmm. right? You're not trying to teach Piper any lessons at all. Yeah, you're just I teaching mean. she can get away with anything, yeah. So Sammy also says, if Mary's leaving, I'm leaving because I fucking hate Cedarville and I want to go home. <laughs> Fair, Sammy. Sucks. This place does suck. And there's a ghost here. <laughs> and there's a ghost, and they're both terrified of this ghost. So the next day, uh, Sammy and Mary kind of admit they feel bad about leaving their mom, um so they come up with this plan and this is kind of more sammy's plan i think because it does feel very childish but they plan to catch some ghostly evidence on tape so that um the mom will have no choice but to leave with them because her life will be at risk if she stays and Sammy's so like we'll show like, mom a ghost and sammy's like <laughs> we're gonna parent trap her and dad they'll get back and, yeah together. they're gonna get back together and, and like, he's no. like oh no honey no no <laughs> She's, she's like i agree we should get mom out of this shitty situation but it, like that's that's not gonna happen yeah mary's almost even kind of like and alec like ugh, alec should also yeah. know if there's a ghost but yeah sammy's like no fuck <laughs> sammy's that like dude. no fuck that guy <laughs> so they set up some gopros around the house to find evidence of ghost activity this was not super successful because the first time the first night they do this like piper is on camera and she like looks directly at the camera and she's like kind of smirking. Um, so they're like, Oh man, we, we set these up or we talked about this in a place where Piper could hear us. So now we have to do it again secretly. Um, but that also doesn't work. But (laughs) anyway, Mary also enlists her BFF Tamara to do some research on the leaders of this town. And she basically, Tamara uncovers this plot that rich white people trying to get rid of all the people of color so they can build their gross new Cedarville. Um, and Tamara also tells Mary that there is a ton of information on her internet about the fires that happened. There's lots of pictures here. Let me send you some. And Mary's like, Oh, uh, the Cedarville internet companies must be blocking information about the fires. I also love how in this book, there was again, very trick or treat this build up to Halloween, right? Where they're like, yeah. this stuff happens on Halloween. Like they call it like devil's night because of the, the burnings and whatever. Um, and it's kind of like setting up this deadline of like dread, right? Of like, oh, Halloween and this is all going to go down. And then it like, everything goes down a few days before Halloween and it's very good. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, it's 
creepy. It's so eerie, <laughs> just like the way that the crowd is manipulated. Anyway, we'll get there. We'll get there. We're almost there. The electricity goes out. It seems to be a widespread blackout. But for some reason, Mary's house gets power back before anyone else. Like their power comes back almost instantly. And everyone else's is out. The people that live in the neighborhood all gather outside Mary's house. They're demanding to know, why do you have electricity living in this brand new house that belongs to the Sterlings? How come you have electricity and no one else does? And then they start slinging around these rumors about the family. Like, oh, Alec flirts with everyone. And he's like, no, I don't. And Mary's like, yeah, he's too big of an idiot to cheat on my mom. (laughs) Uh, And then they've also somehow dug up information about Mary's background and her addiction and rehab and uh, they make claims that she's been sneaking into one of the abandoned houses to do drugs which is you know close to the mark but not entirely <laughs> correct and Yusuf is there and she kind of like makes eye contact with him and she's like this isn't true uh, but he's listening and then the mob mentality kind of takes over everyone starts yelling and getting closer to the house and the family's like okay we got to start planning our planning our escape get the keys to the van whatever then the electricity suddenly comes back and everyone disperses so the next day mary's like i gotta get rid of the weed plants man everyone knows about them and she goes to do that but yusuf is already there and he gets mad that she lied to him says you're selfish you're only befriend people to use them which is kind of true uh and he says he doesn't want to have anything to do with her anymore he just he can't he can't let him he he doesn't want to be involved with her drug business right in any way shape or form so he's like we're on the outs at one point she like offers to like cut him in on selling the weed yeah which is not the right way to go with with this man who has said he is very (laughs) adverse to drug use like are you stupid are you have you had a single thought in your and she's already made up her mind that she's going to destroy these plants. So, like, I don't understand what that comment was about. Like, okay. You could have said, hey, I know this was wrong. And I'm actually, I came here to get rid of everything. But instead, she's like, do you want to be in business with me? Just, like, never her plan. Like, she was never, like, I'm going to She was start- never going to sell. <laughs> Self-sabotaging, man. I don't know. Also, all of the grow pros end up destroyed. So they never get their ghost evidence. But the one is like in a place that is too high for Piper. No, it was secret. He didn't even tell Piper or he didn't even tell Mary. No, I mean the the other one when she goes to get the (gasps) EpiPen. Oh, I see what you're saying. And it's like she finds the Smash GoPro instead. Too high for Piper. Too high for Piper to have gotten it. How could this be? Ghosts. Ghosts did it. Then Sammy accidentally eats some peanut butter, and he is deathly allergic to peanut butter. And we know this. We've been told this. We know this. Yeah. The the whole family is vegan because Sammy has a lot of allergies. Um, and I mean whole – when I say whole family, I mean just Mary, Sammy, and the mom. Alec and Piper are not as strict about it because Piper complains all the time about having to eat – Bird food. What does she call it? Bird food. That's what she calls it. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> What a brat. Um, so, um, yeah, so the, all, most of the EpiPens in the house are missing for some reason. But Mary remembers that she, like, last minute put one in her self-care kit in her bedroom. So she runs up there, gets them with the EpiPen, and then they take them to the hospital. Uh, don't worry. Sammy makes a full recovery. Piper is acting nervous, though. And Mary is like, she had something to do with this. At the hospital, Sammy tells Mary, there's a secret camera. I didn't even tell you about it. 
Cause she's like, the GoPros are broken, man. He's like, no, there's still, there's still a chance that we got ghost activity. It was, I didn't think it would work cause the camera's so old. So I didn't tell you about it to get your hopes up, but check in the kitchen in the China cabinet. So they go back home. Um, and as soon as they walk into the door, their dog is choking on something and can't breathe. The dog so is the, also fine. The dog is also fine. The dog, the dog is also fine. is fine. <laughs> <laughs> there's no dog death in it's, this book. There's very little death in general in this book, which. Yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> All the deaths kind of get undone, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so the parents immediately rush their, their fur baby to the doctor. And they leave Mary and Piper alone in the house. Mary runs, grabs the secret camera, and is like, I have to watch this somewhere else, right? I can't be in this house watching this. And Piper is begging her to stay. She's like, I'm too scared to be by myself in this house right now. Please take me with you. And Mary goes, (laughs) when Piper says she's too scared, Mary looks at her and goes, good. And then leaves the house. Like, oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, she does think this girl just tried to kill her brother. So, like, okay, but... I don't know, man. The only place she can think to go is Yusuf's house because she can't think of... She just doesn't know anybody else in this town. Erica's gone to jail. She doesn't know anybody else. I think at this point she's also had the conversation with Tamara, right? Of like, hey, you're We decided on Tamara. Uh, Sorry. I think at this point she's already had the conversation with Tamara that like, you are kind of a bitch to people. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Mm Uh-huh. So So, like, you're a self-centered asshole. We've had the come to Jesus moment. Mm Mm-hmm. And she did kind of, like, do an apology to Piper, I think, mm-hmm. uh, where she's like, hey, I'm sorry if, like, I've been mean to you in the past. And then Piper um, told her, like, she, like, tried to talk to Piper and she was like, what's up? Why are you such a brat all the time? And Piper's like, you hate me. Like, you said that, like, immediately. You said I was annoying. You said I was annoying. And when we first met. When we first, and it's like, okay, well, like obviously you first met and also she was high yeah but also and Mary tries 10, to explain so that. and also you were probably were being annoying yeah <laughs> and mary is like you know you met me at a time in my life when i wasn't doing very well but i promise you i've changed um and you might not believe me but i'm gonna show you and blah 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 so they, they do have kind of a nicer moment there where piper seems to like start regretting maybe her associations yeah. with miss sugar um but yeah, so she's at Yusuf's house and he's very cold to her, but he invites her in um, for whatever reason. I don't know why he didn't just slam the door in her face, but he invites her in for plot reasons. And they watch the footage from the camera together and they see this old haggard woman wearing like nasty clothes, just like bits of hair sticking, like a Cynthia doll sort of look, like bits of hair just sticking out of her head. She's got like um, blackened skin. Yeah, like her hands burned up. Mm-hmm. And she's just walking around the kitchen, making herself at home, opens the fridge, drinks straight from the milk carton, oh. snags a banana. Oh, I know. I know. Oh, so nasty. <laughs> so nasty. And then Mary, as they're watching this, Mary gets a phone call from her mother. And the signal is very bad in this town. There's hardly any cell phone signal. She gets a call from her mother. And the only thing she can figure out is her mom saying, get out of the house. You and Piper need to leave the house now. And Mary's like, shit, I'm out of the house, but now I have to go back and get Piper. Whoopsie. (laughs) So when she gets home, all the lights are on. The front door is left wide open. And the usually locked basement door is also wide open. And Mary just knows she's got to go down in the basement. So she does. She's calling for Piper. 
And in the basement, she's attacked by the old woman that she saw on the camera. Also, there's this giant man there who looks to have two fingers recently bitten off. Guess what? That's what the dog was choking on. Ugh. Disgusting. God. He's holding an axe. There was uh, an he's axe like, that was missing earlier in the book. Yeah, <laughs> a neighbor's axe. He's holding it. And he's like, wait, wait. But then but then the, mo- the, the woman jumps onto Mary and like bites her shoulder and the, they start fighting. Yusuf shows up. There's a skirmish. And then Yusuf's uncle shows up and fires a gun, startling everybody. Doesn't aim at anybody. He's just like, warning shot, warning shot. <laughs> and then as everyone is kind of like just staring at the gun, the uncle is like, oh, my God, are you Miss Sugar? <laughs> Next chapter, police and EMT arrive. They're there to take Miss Sugar into custody. <laughs> Turns out she's just a very unhealthy old woman who's just <laughs> been living in, in their fucking house for months, Ugh. years. Ugh. Absolutely terrifying. <laughs> Yusuf's uncle tells everyone that, oh, well, the larger man, if this is Miss Sugar, that larger man must have been John John. And then it is discovered that Piper is missing still. Mr. Sterling shows up. Uh, he's like, oh, just came in to check on every check in on everybody. How's it all going? And they're like, bad. Our daughter is missing. <laughs> There's people living in our basement. What the fuck? Our dog ate some fingers. Our dog ate some fingers and choked on them. And then Mr. Stilling's like, "There's a big crowd out there. Let me just go assuage their fears and say some things to them." He goes out to the crowd that's begun to form outside of the house because you know it's a, it's a, it's a close knit neighborhood. They want to see what the business is. And he basically is like, everyone, listen to me. A young white girl is missing, believed to have been kidnapped. You guys should smoke out the kidnapper. Basically, he's priming people to start up the fires again, just like they did years ago. And guess what? There's like strategically planted fire starting supplies on every corner of this neighborhood. How did they get there so quickly? Who can say? Uh, Mr. Sterling says to the family, well, looks like my work here is done. And he leaves with the police and the neighborhood. The people of Maplewood start lighting the houses on Maple Street on fire on the street that um, Mary and her family live. And the parents are like, we need to drive around and look for Piper because this is getting dangerous. And Mary's like, <laughs> getting. yeah, yeah, it is a little bit. And Mary is like, I'm also going to go look around in the abandoned houses, though not on the streets. So she goes into one of these abandoned houses um, and she finds this tunnel of network of tunnels, one of which leads into her basement. And she's like, oh, God, like people have just been coming and going as they please. She runs into John John, who is back in, in their home basement. He's not interested in fighting. He's like, hey, Where's what my, my mom. mom What's yeah. up? Yeah, you guys took my mom and I understand what she did was wrong. She hurt your brother and uh, she hurt your brother and we don't hurt kids. Right. And Mary is like remembering the the rumors that were started about him and how they weren't true. And she's like, OK, I trust you. And they work together to help find Piper. And um, so John John leads Mary through these underground tunnels. Basically, he says, like, my dad hated winter, so he built these tunnels underground. It took him, like, two years. But he built these tunnels underground so we could visit each other's houses without ever having to go outside, which that's that's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. You know, this, this, bit, this bit, I was like, all right. Like, everything did, else yeah, in like, the book was good, so I'm willing to let this go. But that's yeah, it really was goofy as hell. the imagination there. 
But having tunnels going to all of your friends or family's houses so you wouldn't have to go outside in the winter is really cool. Okay, though. but flip side, I want that. Flip side, you're one of these kids' spouses and your uh, parents-in-law can just keep coming over, walk in through <laughs> the basement. That's why all the doors. Oh no, they all lock from the inside, don't they? So if they have the key, they could just pop yep. in. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I see that now. Uh, Everybody loves John John. <laughs> uh, so they find Piper. She's in one of the other houses all tied up in a closet. Uh, the mob is starting to burn this house down. They're like throwing Molotov cocktails into the windows. But John John, he helps Piper and Mary get to safety. And she's like, come with us, John John. We'll tell everyone you're innocent. And he says, no. And he turns back into the tunnel system, never to be seen again, question and mark. The mom was the one who kidnapped Piper. Yeah. Because the mom was basically Sterling came to them and was like, hey, you need to do this, do this and you can have your house back. Yeah. So basically the Sterlings orchestrated this whole thing. They they knew that Miss Sugar and her son were still alive somehow and living in these tunnels. This is never explained how he knew, but they did. And they basically planned to move a family in, make this neighborhood suspicious of them, and then create a series of events that like basically start another series of fires that would hopefully get rid of Maplewood for good, right? So the, the entirety of this book was orchestrated mm-hmm. by the rich white people of this town. And if you're sitting here like, huh, the name of this neighborhood and this situation sounds familiar. Like, this kind of seems like the Twilight Zone episode, The Monsters Are yes. You on Maple Street. It does, it's and that's based, intentional. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that was a very uh, large source of inspiration for this book, as as uh, noted in the acknowledgement yeah. section. Um, but yeah, so and then the book just kind of ends with, like, Piper and Mary kind of reconcile in the end, and... Mary is like, girl, we're sisters. We got to stick together. And, you know, I you, I know you're just like a lonely little kid and no one at school seems to like you, but we'll stick together. We'll be friends. We'll be family, whatever. And also we'll make sure John John has tuna sandwiches because he really likes them. And she's basically giving Piper the same second chance that she feels like she got after the whole. Well, the neighborhood is burning around the them. The neighborhood's burning around them. Like, yeah. wild. The ending, because I, I feel like, the fact that no one dies basically in this book kind of makes it seem like not horror. But then, I guess yeah, I mean you know. But have then you to have to think about like horror. what's happening outside of right. the story. Like it still has to go on. Right. Still have it's to very, deal with this shit. I know you know Joss Whedon sucks and it's problematic, but Cabin in the Woods, like the ending of that, of just like two people kind of being like, well, we're together and we're gonna make the best of it. Well, like everything is going to shit, and oh, it was so good. It was so good. <laughs> It was really good. I very much enjoyed this. It was like just so crafted so well. Um, Like you could really tell like so much thought and care was put into every detail of this book to like where you felt misled, but not like in a in a cheatsy sort of way. It was like, oh, actually, these can be interpreted two different ways. So like, oh, good Good book. Good book. book. Good job, Tiffany D. Jackson. Yes, we appreciate this one. A successful unit in the books for the Shelfware podcast. Um, but speaking of successful units, let's talk about what's coming up next. What is coming up next? Well, I'm pulling up my calendar. Okay. Uh, next week, we will, of course, be back with another Meow Meow Monday with Warriors, book three of the third series. Hold on. Warriors. 
of uh, with Warrior's Power of Three Outcast. Ooh. I know, right? What could that mean? Deception. Disgrace. Disgrace. <laughs> the week after that, we'll be continuing our Mafia romance with an older classic, I guess, Mafia romance. Yeah. Um, bound... older in the Kindle Unlimited Yeah, universe. in the Kindle Unlimited world, which is like the last decade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, bound by Honor by Cora Riley. Yeah, looking forward to that. Um, oh my god, sorry, I'm just like looking at these questions, popular answered questions about this book. How detailed are the sex scenes? And Dumbo Boo on Goodreads says, detailed enough to feel hot and bothered is all I can say. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Great. In the meantime, if you have any books or units you would like for us to read for the podcast, either because you think we would love them or hate them, you can tweet at us at ShelfAwareCast or email us ShelfAwareCast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. We are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should. Otherwise, I'm going to live in your basement (laughs) for 30 years and haunt you and your family. If you use Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review. But if you don't, that's all right, because you are allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you like. In the words of... Tiffany D. Jackson, did you know elephants are pregnant for two years and pretty much give birth through their butts? Imagine having to carry a load of shit for a whole two years. She pauses with a grin. See, that's how you strike up a convo. Oh, the name's Erica. Erica's (laughs) so cool. Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we're... (laughs) (laughs) She got rewound. I couldn't decide if it's we read or we're reading, but it is we read. Yeah, either one.